From the Texas Veterinary Medical Association in Austin, Texas, this is Veterinary Vitals, a podcast that focuses on current news in the Texas veterinary profession. I'm your host, Audrea Wood. Today on Veterinary Vitals, I speak with Dr. Robert Valeris Chassin, Assistant Professor at Texas A&M School of Veterinary Medicine and Biomedical Sciences. Dr. Valeris Chassin was recently awarded a $100,000 grant through Texas A&M AgriLife Research from the USDA NIFA Animal Health and Disease Research Capacity Program. The grant will be used to research associated pathogens of bovine respiratory disease, or BRD. Welcome, Dr. Valeris Chassin. Yes, uh, my name is Dr. Robert, Robert Valeris Chassin. I'm a veterinary epidemiologist working for Texas A&M, but specifically for the VIRO, um, which is Veterinary Education Research and Outreach. It's a new project. With, in fact, it's a joint project from Texas A&M and West Texas A&M, and we are located in Canyon, Texas. How did you become interested in veterinary medicine? Yeah, it's a kind of a long story. So I'm originally from Venezuela. So I began, uh, I joined you know, the University of Minnesota in 2016 for a PhD. And then I, I wanted to become a, a veterinary epidemiologist. I'm a, I'm a veterinarian from Venezuela. And over there, I was already faculty for 10 years. And I was teaching infectious diseases of, uh, and domestic animals. And I had I, I have a master in immunology, but I wanted to go uh, abroad and do a PhD. So I got accepted at the University of Minnesota, and then I began working there in Campylobacter jejuni, which is a major zoonotic disease that is the main source is uh, chickens or chickens. So it was very interesting how this bacterium was interacting with the microbiome in the gut of chickens and also in their environment. After I finished my PhD, I began uh, working here at Texas A&M, and in part of my recruiting, I knew they were very interesting to having someone who had an advanced training in epidemiology, but also who could interact with um, other researchers here at Vero, and also to tackle important research problems in the cattle industry, both in the beef side, but also in the dairy side. And in Venezuela, I had already previous experience with cattle working in um, brucellosis and leptospirosis, and also in foot and mouth disease because Venezuela is an endemic uh, country. So I have this previous experience and I always enjoyed working with cattle and doing research on cattle. So definitely that was one of the reasons why I accepted the job is because I had the opportunity to come back to my roots and work again in cattle, in this case, in respiratory disease. Also, during my PhD, I also worked in swine, in respiratory diseases in swine. So it was also kind of uh, for serendipity that I also could translate this experience that I had in respiratory disease even with another species, but also um, that shares some um, aspects in the sense that it's also a disease that you have several pathogens involved. It's not only one pathogen. The same can be translated to cattle. 
So definitely I could leverage that expertise and then bring new knowledge to our research team. So that's how I kind of got involved in, in BRD in Cal. That is amazing. And Texas A&M is a great place to wind up in the States. So why is bovine respiratory disease such a complex issue? It's a, from, from the scientific standpoint, it's a very fascinating one because we have been studying BRD for decades now. And outside the, the scientific community that is working on BRD, one may think, well, we should be in a better spot now. We should be controlling the disease much better. And when you see the trends in incidence and prevalence, they haven't changed much. So they haven't increased substantially, but they haven't decreased substantially either. So we're still on the same spot, more or less. So definitely that tells us that we haven't tackled the problem probably in an optimal way. And part of the problem is that you have viruses that are involved in BRD, and there are several vaccines that have been developed to, ta- to reduce the incidence of those viruses, but the bacterial components are problematic because in the case of cattle, all the bacterial species that have been linked to the bovine respiratory disease are also present in healthy animals in different, um, in different quantities, but they are present also in, different, in healthy animals. So they are part of the commensal uh, microbiome. And the current um, theory is that stress and virus infection change the environment in the upper respiratory tract of the cattle. And then that is the signal that these bacteria take pick, and then they can become virulent and pathogenic. However, we there are still a lot of unknowns in those interactions. They are very complex. They may change from animal to animal, from um, specific triggers, stressors, weather management, uh, specific bacterial strains, and we don't know how what the, that diversity, how that diversity in the bacterial strains translates into the actual um, clinical BRD. So there are. And since there is this complex and complexity involved in this issue, it is very difficult from a research um, standpoint to grab all that information at once. So normally you would see that there is a lot of research from one pathogen, let's say Manheimia hemolytica, or there are some people working with Histophilus somni, but then they only focus on that pathogen. Or some people work with um, bovine herpesviruses. Other people can work with a bovine viral diarrhea, um, bovine viral diarrhea virus. So it's very frequent in the research on BRD that you will see people focusing on one pathogen, or some people begin working with two pathogens, some viral, some bacterial interaction, or, or two bacterial interaction. But it's very difficult to work with all of them at once. And, and even harder to work with all of them at once in time. And then the more complex you want to make the system, the harder it is for us to study. In particular, I'm interested in one pathogen that have not received as much attention, which is called mycoplasma bovis, because out of the 
bacterial pathogens that have been involved. This one is the harder to culture in the lab. And it has traditionally been associated with chronic cases of BRD. So most people are very interested in the acute BRD because we have more cat, more animals that are suffering from acute stages and only a small proportion go to the chronic stages. So normally acute BRD is the, one, the stage that receives more attention. And mycoplasma bovis barely has been associated with that stage. My current research is to try to shed a light if probably mycoplasma bovis has a role in the QBRD. And I have a recent manuscript that was published in which I provide some evidence that it seems that mycoplasma bovis does have a role in the acute in the early stages of BRD and not only in the acute, in the chronic phase, phases or the chronic stage. Um, part of my also part of the current research that I'm doing right now is I'm developing a molecular technique to get strain level information of mycoplasma bovis and see if we have an animal, because mycoplasma bovis is very prevalent in healthy animals. Are these animals having one strain? Are they having several strains at the same time? Are differences in the strains virulence-wise? Are there some that are more virulent or other that are less virulent? And with virulence, I mean that they are capable of producing damage in the animal. Are there differences that we are not picking because our current techniques don't allow us to get to that level of information. Wow, so there are many questions to be answered. A lot. <laughs> um, yes, it's a very fertile a research area. So you're working on developing a tool for detecting strains of Mycosplasma bovis. I read in the Texas A&M article that to do this, you need to concentrate the DNA of the Mycosplasma bovis to gather information for strain level detection. Can you explain that process a little bit? Yes, um, I will try to do my best in the sense that definitely I recognize I need to get better to in scientific communication. Is a for researcher is a tough area, and we get trained during the PhD to do the science. But I I do believe we're still struggling to get better at communicating the science to people who are not in the same field as us. So I do recognize that. So. I'll, I'll, I'll try my best. The idea is that we recognize that when we do the sampling in the upper respiratory tract, in the nasopharynx or in the nose, most of the DNA is going to be from the animal we are sampling because there will be a lot of epithelial cells that are being carried with the swab. Now, we are interested in the bacteria that are, that are present. There are a lot of bacteria, but mycoplasma bovis is going to be like a tiny fraction of the DNA from the bacteria, which is already less than the DNA from the cattle or from the from the cow, from the steer, for instance. So you, you can see that they might target the what I want to detect, it's a very small fraction of the whole DNA. So we extract the DNA, and the idea behind this procedure, this technique, is that we are going to use small fragments of DNA, oh, in fact, this is RNA, 
which are complementary to the DNA of the mycoplasma bovis. And we're, we're gonna capture, so we're gonna grab it and then clear the rest of the DNA so that we can enrich that DNA because the process is not perfect, but it's gonna be enriching, increasing the relative amount of the mycoplasma DNA in comparison to the rest of the DNA that I don't care at this point much. And the increment, it's quite substantial. So it's a, it's a relatively long process. So far, it takes about a week to do it in the lab if you are pretty um, focused only on that procedure. But then at the end, we can send the, the enriched DNA for sequencing. And then when we come back, when we get the data that we get back, it's very enriched for mycoplasma bovis. It will have also still DNA from other bacteria and DNA from the from the cat, from the animal, but not at the same proportion as before the procedure, from before the technique. And that enriched DNA would allow us to have a better comprehension of what's going on and also allow us to get to the strain level and say, how many strains do we have in the sample, which so far we cannot do. I see. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you for explaining that. Now, you seem really passionate about this and very invested. What is it about this line of work that keeps you going? What is it that you're most passionate about? That's a good question. Um, And I was thinking about that recently. Um, One thing that I do like is to work under uncertainty. And it's, it's interesting because it is frustrating because you don't have a clear path moving forward. And sometimes it feels like you're about to go to an abyss. And sometimes you end up in dead ends. I mean, more, more than I would like to admit, probably. But whenever you get to a big breakthrough, it's really satisfying because you know you are one of the few people in the whole planet who are working in something very specific. And the those breakthroughs, all that information that you're gaining will help all the researchers to move forward and to move the field forward. And in particular in veterinary epidemiology, I, what I like also that, that I'm working, besides working in this uncertainty, is also that I know that there is um, an important impact of my work because I know that that work in years to come will translate into fewer cases of BRD because we will be able to better understand the disease, this complex complex disease, and then we will be able, better able to predict it, to prevent it, to control it, to treat it. And then that will translate in fewer animals that get the disease, producers, um, feedlot owners that get better, they get more uh, return from their investments. We have, we will have fewer antibiotic administration to, or less antibiotic administered to the cow, so or the cattle in general. So then we get um, also a better antibiotic stewardship, and also from the animal welfare standpoint, we we have fewer animals that get sick. So definitely the ripple effect is going to be massive, and. Um, Hopefully, this tool will get um, will help us answer some of those research questions that we're struggling so far with. 
That's amazing. I, I know it's going to have a huge impact on the industry, so I can only imagine what a great feeling it is to be a part of this. I'm looking forward to seeing what comes from your research. So thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today, Dr. Valeros Chassin. Well, thank you. Thank you for reaching out and inviting me. That was Dr. Robert Valeros Chassin discussing his research on bovine respiratory disease. A few quick announcements. Mark your calendars for March 3rd through 5th, 2023 to attend the best little veterinary meeting in Texas. This year's location is the Marriott Waterway Hotel and Convention Center in the Woodlands. National renowned speakers, hot topics, beginner and advanced ultrasound wet labs, outrageously fun social events, and more await you at the 2023 TVMA Annual Conference and Expo. TVMA and High Plains VMA will host a fall CE seminar on Saturday, September 12th at the West Texas A&M University Vero Building in Canyon. This will include five and a half hours of large and small animal continuing education. On Saturday and Sunday, November 19th through 20th, TVMA and Concho Valley VMA will host a fall seminar at the Museum of Fine Art in San Angelo. This will include 17 hours of large and small animal continuing education. We'll also hold two VMA visits next week. On October 26th, we'll be in Laredo, Texas, and October 27th, we'll be in Victoria, Texas. Details and online registration can be found for these meetings on the CE calendar at www.tvma.org. TVMA will be offering the Anesthesia Monitoring 101 workshop virtually on Sunday, October 23rd from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. This workshop is designed for veterinary assistants and LVTs and will count as four hours of continuing education. If you have any questions, please contact TVMA Director of Credentialing, Larissa Respondek, at lrespondek at tvma.org. Join your fellow TVMA members in Austin on Wednesday, February 1st for Veterinarian Legislative Day at the Capitol. This event is critical to the success of TVMA's legislative efforts in the upcoming session because it connects practitioners directly with legislators and their staff and gives veterinarians a chance to discuss the issues that are important to them. Tort liability, sentimental damages, and overregulation are just some of the topics that could be addressed by the legislature this year. So it's important that we have a strong showing on February 1st. Also on the previous day, January 31st, TVMA will be hosting an advocacy lab for a limited number of participants who are interested in becoming more engaged in organized veterinary medicine. The lab will include sessions on approaching and talking about important issues with legislators, testifying in front of a legislative committee, and insight into the political process in Texas. If you're interested in participating or need information about TVMA's block of hotel rooms, contact Trent Hightower at thightower at tvma.org. Lastly, if you have any topics you would like covered on this podcast or would like to nominate a guest, please email me at awood at tvma.org. And if you enjoy this podcast, please share it with a colleague and rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. A like, a share, a retweet. These are all great ways that you can support TVMA that won't cost you a dime. I'm your host, Audrea Wood. Thanks for listening.